Good morning. We are live on the Coast to Coast podcast. We call it Coast to Coast. My name is Scott Kennedy. I'm in Atlanta. This guy over here, he's Nick Kendall. He's in Seattle. So we are Coast to Coast. We're about as far away from each other as we can possibly get and still stay in the continental U.S., but we try to be close to you on uh, pretty much every day and sometimes twice a day where Nick and I are together podding to you guys. So welcome in, everybody. Nick, how are you doing this morning? I am doing pretty well. Uh, it's not raining out here, and we got a uh, big baby appointment today as well after this. So once we're done here, going to walk the dog quick and get the show on the road and get ready for a fun, uh, maybe impactful holiday weekend uh, with everything. And excited for the college football playoffs. Just stoked for that. That's Monday? Monday. Yep. Monday, I think. Okay, yeah. Looking forward to it. It's, you know, with the holidays and stuff, my mom's birthday is Sunday. My birthday is next week. I kind of lose track of what's what this week. You know, kids are home from school. Pets' heads are falling off. You know, we... I know that it, one. It's, it's, it's anarchy. It's anarchy. Um, but we know I can keep track of it because I know we had a game last night, Thursday night football, so today must be Friday. Boy, the Browns are looking good, Nick. Um, man. We talk about draft picks and stuff and the importance of them and how the two of the best teams in the NFL right now gave away half their picks the last couple of years and the 49ers and the, and the Cleveland Browns. Ah, man, that must be nice to give away your picks and be in a good position. I would know nothing about that uh, given where my team is at, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, no, good good for them. I'm not, I'm not jealous at all. No, uh, Browns are playing great. I've said it on here probably three, four weeks now, Scott, when we talk coach of the year, I'm like, Stavansky question mark. I think I'm going with question mark to period. I mean, he's he's got to be in the conversation. Yeah, I have I have Dan Campbell in there too. Um, because I I think Dan Campbell he came in as one of the 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 Potter the the, the, the Lions came in as one of the favorites. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, okay, we expect this, and that usually doesn't work out very well for Coach of the Year. But the reason why they're one of the favorites is because of their massive turnaround in the middle of last year. So let's say they finished seven and one last year. Well, you didn't get credit for that, but you're then taking that banking that credit and taking it moving forward and counting it against him for coach of the year. I think you kind of just put it all together and say, man, you don't take the Detroit lions and go 19 and five and not give the man the coach of the year. So I I'm, I'm on the Dan Campbell bandwagon. We'll see how they finish these next two games. We'll see where uh, the Browns finish these next two games. It kind of feels a little Spider-Man pointing meme, though, uh, <laughs> when you talk Cleveland versus a Detroit, right? I mean, Detroit's Cleveland's been in a better position like f- the last few seasons, but they've had they lost Nick Chubb. Deshaun Watson was terrible, and you've gone through P.J. Walker, Delarian, uh, DTR, and then you bring in Joe Flacco. You've been missing both your offensive tackles for most of the season. You're still humming. You have a better record than the Chiefs. All right, you're that Browns. Me. Yeah, you're you're it's, okay, okay, okay. You're playing. In the in AFC a, uh, North? You're playing in a tougher division. In the AFC North, too. I mean, yeah. it's, it's Stefanski's <laughs> been unbelievable this season yeah. with the circumstances. Yeah, you've got a tougher schedule. Um, it's uh, yeah. I I wouldn't. It was one of those where I've been leaning Campbell. I won't argue against you for uh, for Stefanski either. Um, yeah. I I had you know up until the last couple of weeks, I think they're just kind of running out of gas. Uh, D'Amico, Ryan, Shane Steichen. Yeah. Uh, but they're sitting there at eight and seven. They both lost last week. Um, I, I think that one's come off just a little bit because then when you you know you look at Stefanski at eleven and five and everything they've overcome, uh, and then you look at Detroit sitting there at eleven and four, knowing the turnaround they've had over the course of the last season and a half, I've kind of gone that direction on those guys. Yeah. Well, listen, everybody, some of the things we want to get into a little bit, we're going to hit on the biggest news. Now we talked about it for almost two hours yesterday at. at uh, on Scott Kennedy Sports on Facebook and YouTube.com slash Mile High Huddle. But Russell Wilson, we'll get into that for just a few minutes, and then we're going to pivot off of that into the top of CBS's latest mock draft because it's quarterback-centric. So I want to go quarterback-quarterback, which is a popular topic, and then we'll dive into the big games coming up this weekend, leading off with some Saturday night football with the, the, the aforementioned Detroit Lions traveling down to Dallas to take on a semi-desperate Dallas Cowboys team. But we go live. We're live on these channels every day, every day of the week in the mornings. But we're this show, this NFL show, is Fridays at 9.05 Eastern time. And we go live because we love having the interaction with fans of all teams and, and everybody that comes in. So we want to say hello to some folks before we get started. I'm going to kick it off with Keith Johnson because Keith Johnson kicked us off with a super sticker over there on YouTube. 
Uh, just a reminder, the most direct way to support the show is through the stars on Facebook and the Super Chats, Super Stickers on YouTube. So a big thanks to Keith. And Keith says, good morning, guys. Looking forward to a great new year. Uh, looking forward to spending it with you because this is our last live stream of 2023. It's been a hell of a year, Nick. It has been. Uh, it hasn't gone exactly like we'd thought. You know, don't uh, hold us against our preseason picks when we've been doing this, but we're entering our our prime right now, I would say, with the draft around the corner and the evaluation. Scott, I'll be heading down to Mobile, get a bunch of that uh, that footage down there. Looks like it's going to be okay quarterbacks down there too, which, God, I hope so for you because it really depends on the quarterbacks down there. And I'm curious also because it's going to be the first year that uh, – underclassmen uh, can officially attend as well. So that deadline is coming up three weeks from now, I think two and a half weeks from now. So we're going to find out a bunch uh, of this stuff and it's going to ramp up here. Yeah. I'm looking forward to going down and I'll spend more time. If the quarterbacks can't pitch and catch, I'll spend more time on the linemen. <laughs> You're going to do that anyway. <laughs> my linemen get the most views anyway. And I, I, it might be a little different, but you don't go to the senior bowl necessarily for skill players. Now you can get some day three sleepers in there that step up, but typically the skill players are top 30 picks and there's not a lot of top 30 picks that are going there to try and increase their stock at the senior bowl. And that's, that's not a knock. The director, Jim Nagy has pretty much said the same thing. At one point he says, this is a guy we've had our eye on. He's probably played his way out of the senior bowl. He understands it's and, and so do we, but we go down there because they'll have a hundred guys there and 90 of them will get drafted. It might change a little bit with the, now that they're allowing underclassmen, because I don't think it's as in my opinion, Scott, I don't think it's as much. The guys are top 30, top 60 picks and out. It's because underclassmen typically aren't that like, you know, build over three, four years to get the body types. It's, like you like to say, those guys are born, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of times those guys are underclassmen and therefore not eligible for the Senior Bowl or right. any of the Shrine Bowl. That's changing, though. So I'm curious to see what the next five years. I, we say it every single week. College football and that whole process is fascinating because it is very fluid right now. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a level of professional that I wonder... I wonder the long-term ramifications of having another professional league. Will when you when they start going in competition with the NFL for players, and you don't get that unholy alliance this this that they've had mm -hmm. uh, through the years when they start competing a little more, what's it going to do? Probably, I don't think it'll affect it that much. College baseball is becoming more and more popular too, and they compete with the majors. They they always have mm -hmm. with Major League Baseball for for players and talents. So. Um, just some philosophical speaking right there. Good morning, says Keith Brugman, coming in with some stars over on Facebook. Thank you, Keith. He says, I need both of your opinions. Is the benching Russ embarrassing him? And if so, why? I'll let you take a shot at this one first. I mean, he's a competitor and he wants to win and he wants to play. So without a doubt, I would say it's embarrassing. I'm sure there is some, none of these guys are really totally grounded in reality too. Uh, so that's Is a big the benching of him embarrassing him. Did the Denver Broncos embarrass Russell Wilson by benching him? Their goal was not to embarrass him. If that's what you're asking, that wasn't the point. Now being benched is embarrassing for Russell Wilson, different. but it's a, it's a business decision at the end of the day. I'm honestly, it was such a weird situation because they were full. I think they expected to probably lose against Kansas city. They probably expected to lose against Buffalo as well with that bye week in between there. And the Broncos all of a sudden went on a unbelievable turnover run that we haven't seen since 1989. And they kept winning football games that were rather improbable. Uh, let's just call it as it is. Uh, and while they were still in the playoff picture and things were happening, you can't really just yank the starter there. So now the playoffs are essentially out. You're looking at the future. You know, Russ is not the quarterback you want to run that system with Sean Payton, the football czar of the Broncos. Uh, so you're moving on. I know it's ugly. I mean, you can tell by all the uh, the lawyer and agent speak coming out of this that uh, this has been in the works for a bit. They had a lot of, you know, templates made and ready for whenever this came down the tracks. Uh, so here we are. Is it embarrassing for Russell Wilson? Yes. The point was not the point wasn't to embarrass Wilson. I mean, heck, you could even argue from the Broncos point. This is this is a spin for the Broncos for sure. But they approached him. They knew they didn't want to pay him. But they approached him where if you waive that injury guarantee, we don't have to bench you. There'd be no embarrassment. We just kind of part ways at the end of the season. Nope. Do you want to keep that injury guarantee? God bless you, Russell Wilson. I've told you to do the same thing. I'd have done the same thing. We agreed to the contract. Go F yourself. 
okay, bet. I, I, I don't see either side wrong in this situation. I don't understand what the, you know, the hand wringing and pearl clutching is in this. It's, this is business. We see this not at such a grand scale with such a high Q rating player, but this happens. I, I, I don't understand it all, Scott. Yeah, I don't think of it as uh, the benching is embarrassing Russell Wilson. I think he could be embarrassed for being benched, and that is a reflection of his overall play the last two years. His uh, his his play as a Denver Bronco has not been anywhere near good enough to justify what the Denver Broncos have paid for him, and we're on the hook for him. Um, yeah. George Payton, the general manager for the Denver Broncos, should be embarrassed. Uh, the ownership for doing that should be embarrassed. Um, the Seattle Seahawks should sit there and kind of laugh and say, you know, thanks um, with, with all this stuff and, and getting out at the right time. We say sometimes it's, it's better to sell a year early than a year late. The Seattle Seahawks made a good deal for themselves. Yeah. Um, and I, I said that from the get-go. This was for a want-away player, for a guy that wanted to get out, that was a good deal for them. Um, now, real quick, Nick, um, where are some of the places? And let me let me hit on this, then I'll pass it over. When they move on from him, he will be put on waivers. He will clear waivers, and then he will be a free agent. So the only thing you will be on the hook for salary cap with Russell Wilson is as a new team is what you decide to pay him. You don't have to pay him anything because, as Nick said, anything that you pay Russell Wilson just offsets the money he's getting from the Denver Broncos. So if he's getting $40 million from the Denver Broncos and you sign him for $5 million, he's still getting $40 million. It's just five's coming from you and 35's coming from Denver. There's no incentive for Russell Wilson or the team he goes to to pay him anything more than the veteran minimum. So who are some of the teams that would be worth taking a shot on Russell Wilson on a $1.2 million one-year contract next year? Well, frankly, all of them, but who makes the most sense? It's going to be the quote-unquote losers in the Justin Fields market, I think. I think Justin Fields is certainly the more, will be the more demanded uh, option out here, and I think we'll talk about it a little bit uh, probably today if we get to it, uh, but the quarterbacks, probably the top three are going to come off the board in the top five, and I think it's going to be pretty damn hard to get uh, up to those quarterbacks as well. Cause there are so many quarterback needy teams. So we'll see how that shakes out. I mean, there could be a trade Cardinals are a wild card. Maybe actually, honestly, we have to go back one step. The qu first question is, are the Cardinals taking a quarterback in the draft? Cause if not, if Murray's on the market, that changes thing. I think he's number one after Murray. If he's on the market, it's Justin Fields. So whoever loses out on Justin Fields, I think is hunting uh, in the end for that Russell Wilson quarterback. I think the teams you're looking for are probably the Steelers. Uh, the Raiders, uh, the Falcons, the the Patriots as well, and uh, maybe the Commanders, maybe the Panthers. If like you know they they're worried about Bryce Young being damaged or anything, but those first four teams I think are probably the most likely destination. And I see comments on here: Falcons would kill to have a quarterback like Wilson this season. Yeah, Wilson was playing probably like the 18th best quarterback in the NFL this season. Desmond Ritter and Heineke were probably playing like the 30th to 35th best quarterback in the NFL this season. So it would be a big boost for the Falcons. Again, it's not that Russell Wilson was horrible this season in Denver. He just struggled within the confines of what Sean Payton wants to do, relying a lot on broken plays. And with the contract, if you kept him, you're on the hook financially for three more seasons. This is ripping the bandaid off and Payton saying, I can get a quarterback to do something similarly output wise with the same, we're going to pay in dead money. Anyway, anyways, while moving on from Russell Wilson, we'll see if Peyton's right. It sets the clock so that, you know, you're, you've got your money back out of that contract in two years instead of further down the line. That's what this is about. Um, and 37 million saved. Yeah. And, and the money that you don't have to pay um, yes. extra money, which, you know, you're, you're on your dead cap, but you know, it's like, well, that's not really going to affect the cap dead cap, whatever. Yeah. But it's still somebody's money. You know, these guys didn't become billionaires by just, saying here, take $37 million of my money, even though we don't want you. Um, want to say hello to John Harrell coming in. He says, happy Friday, Scott, Nick, and Falcons family. John and Red Swarm were here before we had even started live. So thank you. It's good to see you. Red Swarm says, good morning, Scott, Nick. Wishing all a happy new year to you as well. Zach Powers, good morning. Good morning. He's got a comment. He says, Robert Sala should be fired. Just because you lost Rodgers, you have no excuse to let your team fall flat on its face. 
expecting Rodgers to be a miracle worker doesn't make you a good coach. Now, you have a line on here that I always thought was, was kind of funny about uh, the Denver Broncos and Peyton Manning and Peyton Manning taking all the reps with the ones. Like, hey, what what what's your backup plan here? The, we, we don't practice bleeped, right? Tom Moore, classic uh, longtime offensive coordinator there. You know, if Peyton Manning goes down, we're bleeped. We don't practice bleep. Uh, so you had Zach Wilson there, Trevor Simeon. Uh, it's... I don't know if I would fire Robert Salah, but just because the defense is still so elite, and I think you can kind of point towards issues here. The big question for me is not Robert Salah, it's Joe Douglas and the weirdness. I mean, you made the big trade for Rodgers, and then you let Rodgers come in and be like, oh, bring in Alan Lazard, bring in Randall Cobb, bring in this guy. Well, these guys can't play. So is this uh, giving too too much power to Rodgers? I don't know, but it's the Rodgers move, and you definitely fell flat on your face. If the locker room was tuned out to Robert Salah and they were not about him anymore. I think it'd be an easy conversation, but if they're dialed in and with the way the defense is playing, Scott, I don't, I think this is a top five defense without question this season, especially considering how bad the offense has been on the other side. I mean, Zach Wilson has been the singularly worst starting quarterback in football uh, this season based on EPA per play and all the stats. And this has been a good jets team. When you look at the advanced uh, good jets defense. So I don't know if I would, fire Robert Salah, but it would be completely dependent on is his message still getting through? Do the team, do the players uh, are bought in listening to whatnot? So you have to be there to really answer that. Uh, so that's where I'm at for Salah. I was going to like try and make a comparison to like, okay, well, what happened to the new England Patriots when Brady went down? Well, they went 11 and five, <laughs> They had, a, but they, you know, they were more, they were much farther ahead as a program, as a system, <clears throat> all the players still had around the line. them. Yeah. That and Matt Castle was again. I, I, I agree with Zach to a certain extent. You couldn't go into this with Zach Wilson as your backup plan. When when Rodgers went down, you should have been on the phone with Joe Flacco. You should have been on the phone with some other guys and figured out what it took. And I thought they brought Flacco in and decided against it. If I'm not mistaken, they they did have that conversation with him. He was there years prior or last year or yeah. something. I mean, I can picture him in that uniform, but I don't know what year it was. <laughs> might have been yeah. this year. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, uh, again, Zach Wilson was not the answer. That's That's been a killer. And, and we've said it before. It's not the players. You know, Coach told me this a long time ago. It's not the players you miss that kill you. Uh, right first-round picks from San Francisco that went other places. It's not those guys that are somewhere else that kill you. It's the guys you get that can't play that kill you when you sink a number two in a Zach Wilson and try and play and, and, and funnel him into the game. That's what's killing you. And you couldn't just, couldn't just force that to happen. <clears throat> uh, Zach, you've got some good questions. We'll see if we can uh, get back to these. I want to say hello to some more folks that have, have jumped in, including Bucks, Rays and Bolts, our Tampa guy, big game. We'll get into this one too. Uh, big game with Tampa and, uh, and New Orleans can sew up the South. Tampa's playing well. This isn't just a, a NFC South week schedule thing. Tampa's playing some good football right now, and they could sew up the South again, third, fourth straight time. That hasn't happened before. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that game for sure. Good morning, Keith Johnson. We say good morning to Keith because Keith came in with some uh, some stars just uh, a little bit ago. And then Rattlesnake Master coming in. Good to see you coming in with that orange. Appreciate the super chat, my friend. He says, I know we were talking movies last week, but I missed the live. Take this super and go see Godzilla minus one. I promise you love from a sad Nebraska from Broncos fan. Um, yeah, I think we finished one of our Broncos for breakfast talking movies uh, a lot last week. I haven't seen Godzilla minus one. I've seen all the other ones so far. I've seen King of the Monsters and those other ones. So thank you for uh, thank you for the note. Thank you for the super chat. Uh, and the support you show, and, and Happy New Year to you. Like I said, this is the last show, the last stream that Nick and I will be on for 2023. This is 29, so it's not like we're going to be on long. We'll be back on Monday. I'll be back on Monday. I'll be back on Monday to talk some some uh, some sports. I don't I'm not doing anything on New Year's Eve. I'm I'm old and don't drink. <laughs> I'll be I'll be in bed by 11. Um, Keith said this about going back to Russell Wilson, and then we'll we'll move on here shortly. Um, I had suggested this, but then I called into questions that I got some answers from yesterday. Couldn't the Broncos just keep Russ? Because yes, financially speaking, you're better off just mothballing him. 
because his cap hit next year is not as big as his dead cap will be. However, you would have to pay him that extra money in 2025, $40 million of guaranteed contract that you might not want to pay him. Wouldn't it make more sense just to pressure him to give back some money to go play for the Raiders or whatever? Um, so I'm going to bench you. You can sit here. We'll pay you, but you're, we're going to mothball you and your legacy's done. You will be done in this league. I had questions about what the NFL Players Association might say about that, about what the yeah. union might say about that. And it came out this week that the NFLPA got involved in this and said, are you really trying to threaten him over this? Good luck. Uh, we'll end up owning. We know how rich you are. We're going to be partial owners of the Denver Broncos here if you keep trying that kind of stuff. So all of a sudden, that goes away. It's a football decision. It's a football decision. We're just trying to win games. We love Russ. We're even going to keep him active for this game, blah, blah, blah. That's what happened, Keith. Uh, the NFLPA got involved, and I thought they might if you tried to strong arm a player like that. Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't have happened. Uh, he would have they'd have been potentially on the hook for the money if he got hurt in that situation, you know, keeping him or just full on, and if just full on sitting him without the intent to release him when, you know, the cycle of the year happens, I think the NFLPA definitely would be involved right now. I'm not on team either side from the semantics of it. I don't think either side did anything wrong. If Denver had just, you know, threatened to rust to just hold on to his contract and outright fully keep him and not play him. Now we've, now we've crossed the line in my opinion, but everything to date so far, I think has been kosher. It's been fine. Uh, other than the play on the field, uh, but, uh, that's, uh, I can't imagine doing that. Maybe it's so complicated too, because of the way the contract works, you can't really trade him and send him a place either. So really you're, you're screwed. I mean, you can't really do anything about it. You just have to wash your hands and hope that your, uh, your coach, uh, can find as good of quarterback play, as what you got from Wilson this season, if not better for pennies on the dollar, since you're going to be so emphatically on the hook for Wilson over the next two seasons. Uh, Chase says, good morning, Scott. Nick, good morning, Chase. And, and Dave says, hey, there's some personalities involved here. There's some potential off-field ramifications with Russ in Atlanta. His wife, for example, in her previous relationship with a local rapper. We've all got exes, dude. And, uh, you know, you're in the public. It's a big city. There's there's about 5 million people in Atlanta. Uh, I don't think that would, you know, you don't even have to live here. You know, Russ isn't moving here for 10 years if you were to come to Atlanta. Um, John Harrell, appreciate the thought. I sent a super chat, but it's not in the chat. Uh, it didn't go through. I, uh, I checked the back end, and if it does and it doubles up on you, I'll send you money back if you uh, if you decide to, to re-up. If not, that's cool, too. You've been a big supporter of our show, and uh, we appreciate the thought. It's a thought that counts. We appreciate you thinking of us. <laughs> Dave says, Stefanski and Hackett offenses are different. Flacco would have struggled in that Jets offense. Hackett sucks. Everybody would have struggled in that isn't that isn't one of the best quarterbacks of all time and who's calling his own plays and doing everything that he wants to do and is capable of doing it. Rodgers is Rodgers. Rodgers has made Hackett not the other way around. So I get this, but Flacco's still better than Zach Wilson. Yeah, I mean, he can run an offense. I We're kind of having a weird renaissance of old quarterback play, Scott, and we maybe have to have a much longer philosophical conversation at some point about what that means and why is it happening. But uh, quarterbacks who are pocket-oriented, who can identify rushes pre-snap and get you set up pre-snap and know where to go with the football post-snap, you know, much more of the in-structure guys versus the out-of-structure guys are succeeding at a higher rate. I don't know if there's something schematically. We'll have a chance to talk about that in the off-season, but uh, there's been a weird thing that's happened in the NFL, I think this season. So we'll see, but yeah, Zach Wilson, terrible. It's so bad. It's, it's yeah, he's, yeah. he's not good. And uh, you know, you start looking at you know, 50 year options and where he was drafted. I was like, okay, he'll be, he will be high, but it has absolutely nothing to do with where he was drafted. It has to do with the fact that he's a quarterback and his 50 year option as a basic, cause he hasn't earned the playing time bump is $19.1 million. The court, the uh, Trey Lance's fifth year option, $19.1 million. Kyle Pitts, the next pick, his basic fifth year option is 7.0 because he's a tight end. That's nonsense, man. That's nonsense. Mac Jones, fifth year option is triple what, what Kyle Pitts is. I'm going to be on this one for a while, Nick. You're going to get sick of me talking about it until I see the NFLPA do something about that. Um, Moving on to uh, quarterbacks, because I want to take the Russell Wilson talk, and I want to jump it to 
uh, CBS's mock draft because Nick and I talked about this a lot because the more I started looking at it, the way the I've got that in the let me put this in the in the all chat. If we're going to talk about it, I want to want to make sure we give some credit to CBS here. Um, the more you looked at it, like there's no way you're getting into the top three, top four to take a quarterback this year. There's just no way. It will be so expensive. The teams that are up there this year need or are willing to move on. Your best chance would be with the Bears or the Cardinals. And my God, it would cost you a fortune to get those picks for them to say, okay, we're good with Fields. We don't want the number one overall pick. Or to say we're good paying Kyler Murray and being stuck with his contract because they're going to have a dead cap hit. But it's a lot easier to absorb a dead cap hit when you've got a top two quarterback that's considered one of the best prospects to come out in a long time. And then you got the commander sitting at their number three. What do they need? They need a quarterback. So um, what's the name of the, the gentleman that did this for CBS? Chris Trapasso. He's got two trades, which is uh, the Raiders send uh, the, a third round pick and a conditional third rounder that can become a second in 2025 to the Bears for Justin Fields. And the Bears take Caleb Williams. This one's a little more interesting to me because it would put Kirk Cousins in the market, but the Vikings trade for Kyler Murray and they send their 46 and a 159 fifth round pick and a fourth round pick and that is conditional also for Kyler Murray. So no first rounders involved. And then the Cardinals take Drake May and then uh, Jaden Daniels goes number three overall. I see that's how it's going to go, man. It's just... The way that the quarterbacks are, the way the teams are desperate, unless you get something that comes up, like say the Cardinals jump into back into that number three spot and they already took their quarterback and then they get Marvin Harrison. You know, that like last year, we saw that with Houston. with um, Houston. Otherwise, it probably would have gone quarterback, quarterback, quarterback again, but they went in because they already took their quarterback. So I just think it's going to be awfully difficult to get into those spots to take a quarterback this year. Yeah, and I think we kind of talked about it on yesterday's show. Uh, again, coming back to the just landscape changes in college football, I'm worried that your day two quarterbacks, while they've always been a lottery ticket, especially day three, those are penny stocks. Uh, but I think that's going to become more dramatic going forward with the advent of the transfer portal and NIL quarterbacks who are you know questionable playing at non-power conferences that are not you know these lottery picket guy or lottery ticket kind of guys or blue chip prospect kind of guys are going to transfer uh one that i'm thinking right now that comes to mind is uh riley leonard at duke uh there was talk about him hey maybe he could be first rounder he's really talented he's got no receiver talent at duke he's getting hit pretty consistently duke has got i mean galco did a great job with the defense and leonard was a good quarterback for them but he was hurt could have come out this year and gotten paid if it was a decade ago. Maybe that happens. Now he enters the transfer portal. He gets a pretty penny to go play at Notre Dame and poof, one of your potential viable developmental starter types is back in college. So I'm curious to see how that landscape looks. I'm wondering if this is going to force teams to become even more quarterback obsessed early in the draft. Like if you are even close to a starting caliber graded quarterback, snap top five pick. I mean, the risk is high. I know, but you know, else is risky not having a bleeping quarterback. Uh, so that's, I'm curious to see what happens there. I do think Scott, there's still a chance that Marvin Harrison jr. Ends up with one of these top picks because some of these teams could be poor enough. They're like, listen, we know we need a quarterback here. We don't love, let's say the third quarterback. We don't love Jaden Daniels. We absolutely love Marvin Harrison jr. And we know we're not a quarterback away. We're going to be picking early again next year. So we're going to take the blue chip guy that we think is a surefire Hall of Famer as much as you can be as a prospect and reset. I kind of come back around to uh, the Browns when they did that. Now, should they have taken the quarterback in hindsight? Maybe. Uh, Trubisky went too. That wouldn't have been the move. But they take Miles Garrett, and then they're picking number one again the next season. So you have to kind of know where you're at. Also, if you have a chance at a guy like that. Uh, so I do think Marvin Harrison Jr., there's a chance. I don't think it's a guarantee one, two, three with the top guys. No. Uh, but – that's no, I just I like Jaden Daniels a lot more than I like some of these, the Baker Mayfield draft, um, yeah. you know, for, for what, you know, what you see for the prospects coming in. So, um, so we'll, we'll see about that. But my point is, is it's going to be awfully, awfully hard mm -hmm. to get into the top three to get a quarterback. So 
Uh, as far as the day two guys coming in, I think it will eventually balance out because eventually they're going to run out of eligibility. Right now, it's going to be it's going to thin out the co- available quarterbacks probably for the next two years because they can transfer, stick around, and make more money as a as a collegian than they can going to being a, a day three pick in the NFL. But eventually, they'll run out of eligibility and they'll get there, and they might be better for it. You might be able to get more experienced better quarterback play because these guys are more seasoned and they've been playing for four years. Uh, They've been starting for four years. We might see that happen. Um, John Harrell says, is Zach Wilson really the batters at the Jets offense? Unfortunately, John, Zach Wilson is that bad. Um, He's got some tools. I I wonder with that arm and the the athleticism, like, man, maybe that kid should have been a pitcher Um, because he, he's one of the few guys I've ever seen at this level that the more time you give him, the worse he is. And that's a big, big concern. Um, just if you, if you flush him out of the pocket and he can't think, and he's just got to run and read and throw, you know, run and spot and throw, he's okay. Cause he's got tools. He's athletic and he's got a hell of an arm. Mm-hmm. If you make him contain him in the pocket and just run a cloud, let's rush three and just make you sit there and make him sit in the pocket and make a decision and throw. He's horrendous. Yeah. And that's that's a concern, man. That's just that scares the hell out of me. Yeah, I I almost wonder if it's, you know, not as much related to time, Scott, but more so having to get off your first read. If your first read is open and by scheme and design and he knows where that first read is, God bless. Uh, he can get it in there. But if that first guy's covered and you force him to work off and have to read, OK, based on the coverage, where should I go with the football? Uh oh, <laughs> which gives him, which, that's what I mean by making by giving time. him time. He's got to yeah. if, if he's got to go through his reads and him him going through his reads is it's it's as bad as I've ever seen. It really <laughs> is. It's, it's 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 as bad as I've ever seen at this level, and that's a yeah. that's a big concern. All right, we've been thirty minutes. We haven't even started talking Cowboys yet. I did want to talk real quick. I see Dave. Right, say, I'm, right. I'm going to list twenty twenty five quarterbacks here just so you have some names to look out for here. Uh, we don't know everybody's going to be in and out yet, so keep an eye on J.J. McCarthy at Michigan and Quinn Ewers at Texas. If they come out, that changes the landscape this year. Maybe you have some late first round, other day two guys that are worthwhile picks that aren't you know 25 years old. Uh, but next season, based on guys who are likely back, uh, Shadur Sanders at Colorado is an option. Drew Aller, really erratic, but was not great this year, but man. He's huge and he has a big arm. So we'll see what happens with him at Penn State. Uh, Carson Beck returned to Georgia. He looked kind of Jared Goff-esque, not a great athlete, but a pocket guy who can get the ball in the right spot. I Carson Beck's got a future in the NFL. Jalen Milrow at Alabama is much more of a scrambler athlete right now, but like you can do some stuff offensively when your quarterback is that athletic. And believe me, he's an unbelievable athlete at the quarter position quarterback position. Uh, I also really like uh, Riley Leonard. We'll see what he does next year at Notre Dame. We mentioned him earlier. And the final one I wanted to throw out here, kind of a forgotten man, but was a really high recruit looked pretty good this season and then got hurt. Uh, but he'll be back next year. Connor white uh, Wegman at Texas A&M. Uh, he's, he's got some stuff to him too. So I've been impressed when I've watched him. So there's seven, eight guys that I had to keep an eye on. What's going on with CJ up at Oregon, Washington state who uh, the former Clemson guy. DJ, DJ, yeah, I, I didn't want to like. All I can think of, I've got him in my head as ukulele, and I didn't want to make him sound. I didn't want to sound that bad. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, DJ, uh, DJ, you. He is going to Florida State. He's big and he's got a good arm. He's just kind of lumbering to an extent, and he looked pretty good in that more ground acquisition offense up there at Oregon State. Sounds like he might be an option for Florida State uh, this season. We'll see what happens for him. The arm talent's there, Scott, and we see if arms, you know, the more reps you get, sometimes it clicks for those guys that have that arm talent if they're playing smart football in different systems. So he's a dark horse. I wouldn't include him in the top six, seven right now uh, based on what we've seen, but definitely has recruiting pedigree and arm talent. So we'll see. Gary Palmer says, Happy New Year, Nick and Scott. Thanks for being there. Thanks for you being here and helping us do the things that we get to do. We couldn't do without guys like you, Gary. Uh, this is coming up on three years. Nick and I have been doing these shows together and, and, uh, hopefully they're getting better and better. I I feel like I'm getting better at this and, uh, Nick's been good at it. And, um, and it's with support from guys like you and, and the financial support, the encouraging, the being here, the comments, all of it that, uh, that help us do more of this. Now, 
Dallas Cowboys, Detroit Lions. Dallas is coming home. They're in pretty big need of a win right now. Um, what do you think coming into this game with San Francisco losing to the Ravens? The number one seed's up for grabs again. So there are some, I'm not going to say there's nothing to play for for the Detroit Lions because there is, but I think Dallas coming home after losing two road games, the narrative that they can't win on the road and they might have to, especially in the first round of the playoffs, I think they need this one, Nick. Yeah, they definitely need this one. Uh, should be a fun game. Detroit's defense is still extremely questionable, uh, despite what the Broncos made them look like in that game. And they're especially vulnerable in the quick pass game in the middle of the field when you are working on their safeties and linebackers, which, hello, Dak Prescott, probably the best quick game quarterback in the entire NFL. Uh, the one thing that concerns me here for Dallas is that their defense has really started to regress uh, as of late. They've gone from a top five defense to very average over the last, I don't know, three, four weeks. Uh, they do not do a lot trying to disguise disguise coverages and uh, play a lot of different stuff where they confuse the quarterbacks uh, from pre-snap read to post-snap. They don't have a lot of post-snap movement. They're pretty just static on the back end. Uh, so I'd be worried about that for Dallas as well, but uh, I think Dallas's defense versus the Detroit offense is not as much of a mismatch as Detroit uh, Dallas's quick game pass game versus Detroit. So I'll go with Dallas. Like, like you said, they're a little bit more desperate. They need it more. That matters. Uh, but a great game. I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. And I think part of the defensive concerns you have with the Dallas Cowboys the last two, two weeks was partially the opponent. And they did a pretty good job against Miami. You hold Miami to, to 22 points and lose on a last second field goal. You feel like the defense for the most part did their jobs. Um, Giving up 31 of the Bills, that was a that was a bad matchup. Coming off some emotional games on the road, Bills are hot. Um, giving up 31, that one feels like a little bit more of an anomaly to me. Um, now we talked to we've got one of our Lions friends in here uh, watching the show SW Lion 16. We we chatted a little bit on my YouTube page where I said, you know, I I, I like Dallas in this one. One, I think they're a little bit more of a complete team. I think they've they're very similar on offense as far as the weapons and how they can beat you. They can beat you with a multitude of guys, tight end, running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks playing well, good offensive line, very similar there. I think the defense on the Dallas Cowboys is a little bit better, and I think Dallas needs it more. For me, it's a hell of a matchup. I'm going to see a lot of silver and blue, which I like. I think you're going to see the Dallas Cowboys take this game. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites. But uh, I, I like the Cowboys in this one for for all the reasons we mentioned. The Cow the Detroit Lions, if we were taking like a long sample size, I think their style of play is probably more consistent because it's much more predicated as it runs through the offensive line as the lifeblood of that team. Uh, but if it comes down to it, I'm going to take the quarterback at the end of the day. It's, they, they are kind of similar team, Scott, but I think it's how they win and what they build through is different because Dallas, everything is about the, or excuse me, Used to be Dallas, everything was about the offensive line. Now everything is Dak. I don't think there's quarterbacks who have as much on their plate mentally in the entire NFL as Dak does. Uh, so it's quarterback-centric versus offensive line-centric. You have higher highs with the quarterback stuff, obviously, but lower lows at the same time, too. So I'll lean with Dallas just because they need it more. Dak is still in the MVP conversation, too, if they finish strong. He's one of the top five candidates still. I'm not ready to crown anybody, honestly. Uh, but... Uh, Hey, I'll take Dallas in this one. Hell of a game. I'm excited to see what happens. Give me your top two MVP candidates at 38-45 on our stream. Uh, I'm going to go with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Who would you give it to right now? I'd probably give it to Lamar Jackson. If the Bills win the AFC East with how good Josh Allen has been this season, I even with the turnovers, uh, I'll give it to Josh Allen. But uh, right now I go Lamar Jackson. I go Lamar right now too. And I might go Christian McCaffrey next. Um you know, I just, he's been so good that yeah. it'd be kind of interesting to say, go in another direction with the inconsistency of the quarterbacks throughout the course of a 17 game season that this guy's pretty special. But right now I, I Lamar's uh, number one for me right now, and it should we be a hell of a game. And frankly, Detroit, yeah. Dallas, we might see them again. Um, That'd be great. This could be a game that we could see played a couple of times over the course of the next month. But um, I, I like the Cowboys in this one, keeping the pressure on the uh, the Eagles and the 49ers at the top of the NFC for that number one overall spot. It's crazy to me. You could go from 
a road game having to play three to the number one overall pick in these next uh, not pick I'm, I'm so used to draft the number one overall seed in a buy mm-hmm. in the next eight days i mean we're we're almost done here we're almost out of uh we're almost out here. I could SW be wrong. 16, good to see you again, my no. friend. He says Dallas has more experience and they need it more. I'm rooting for the Lions, but I expect Dallas to win it. See, when you grow up a fan of a team like the Lions, and I speak from experience, I grew up an Atlanta sports fan, you never expect your team to win, man. <laughs> yeah. I get it. I get it. So uh, it's uh, it's one of those where you go in with kind of low expectations and you're used to being the underdog. And if you pull out a win, it's awesome. If you lose, that's okay. It's okay. Um, you've already taken the division. That's a that's a good start. You got a home game. That place will be crazy. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Dallas in the playoffs again. Wasn't wasn't that the Lions' last playoff game too? They went and played at Dallas that season that they won 10, 11 games. Matt Stafford leading to a Jim Caldwell team to the playoffs. That's what I remember. And I wanted to circle back around. Also, Dark Horse MVP candidate Scott, our guy. Matt Stafford. I mean, he he has to be in the conversation. I don't give a hoot what anyone says. He's unbelievable. Around on Matt, I'm brought you around on Matt Stafford. I uh, oh, I've been there. I've, I've uh, been you weren't though, but I mean, I, I wasn't like MVP. One of the best quarterbacks. Yeah, and you know, it's I said him and Grady Jarrett. I've brought you around on Grady Jarrett a little bit too, and the importance that he is, the difference that he makes on a field, despite playing for a seven straight losing season team. Grady Jarrett's a man. Uh, Keith with some good words says, thank you, Nick and Scott for replacing the nonsensical TV talking heads that used to give my football morning. You rock. Appreciate it. So Scott Kennedy is greater than Van Pelt and Nick Kendall's better than Nick, Wright. I'd like to have their bank account. So I'll tell you that one. Um, I would, uh, I would certainly like that. Dave says from a conspiracy standpoint, are you guys disappointed that McCaffrey has not missed games now that he's playing for winning organizations? I think the guy mailed in some injury games. Um, I'm not disappointed that he has not. There's so many negatives in there. I'm I'm not sure what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm glad he's out there playing. And I've always said, guys, stay healthier when you're playing for something. It just happens. It might be a team-oriented thing here, too. Listen, we, we stink. Uh, we're not going anywhere. Why are we going to put our highly paid asset that we want to keep here uh, in meaningless games? Right. That's something, guys, when you get injuries, you know, a hamstring or a little bit, something lingering lingers a little longer when the season's over. Like if the Broncos are in a playoff push, we might see Greg Dulcich back this season. Now that it's pretty much over, uh, Greg, ice up. We're going to evaluate Lucas Kroll and uh, good luck next season because you're fighting for a roster spot. Yeah. So that that Saturday night game is going to be a lot of fun. It'll be the only game on. It's going to do a monster number um, for ABC slash ESPN for Disney. It's going to do big numbers. Um, you know, moving, looking at the, the early slate on Sunday, Patriots, Bills, Bills need to win that game. That's, you know, to, to stay where they are because they're not safe for playoffs. That's at home. They're almost a two touchdown favorite Falcons and bears becomes the Justin Fields bowl. The Falcons are not technically out of it, but the interesting thing in that is watching Justin Fields and then watching the knee jerk reactions from Atlanta Falcons fans being tied to possibly Justin Fields coming home and being the quarterback next year, either I don't want that bomb or we've got to have this bomb. It'll be uh it'll be a lot of fun to watch that one. Raiders at Colts. Raiders are technically still alive, I think, by just the skin of their teeth. The Colts need this one. They are in the seventh spot. Raiders at Colts. Colts have been struggling a little bit lately. They're three and a half point favorites, Nick. Yeah, I, you almost have to wonder if the uh Colts, you know, bubble's about to pop here. Raiders have been playing really hot. Uh, recently, I think I'm going to bride the hot hand here. I think the Raiders are playing a little bit more inspired football uh, right now. So I'm going to go with the Raiders. Uh, the The line has the Colts at, of course, it doesn't show up, uh, obviously, for me. Three, three for the half. Colts. Three, three and a half for the Colts. Mm-hmm. I definitely have taken the line there. I think Raiders are playing decent football and uh, inspired football. And also they're fighting for their coach to get a shot to stick around. So I think that matters. I will go for the Colts on this one because uh, I'm going to go with the home team. I think the Colts, the Colts, they God, they, have they completely run out of gas or will they get that jolt they need uh, coming home and, and playing? I'm not sure. We'll find out because that will this game will give me the answer. I think they've been overachieving all season, and part of that is good coaching. Getting mm-hmm. Michael Pittman back will help. Him being out is a big, big loss for that team. So yeah. uh, he's he's been limited. But right now, expected to play. So we will see how that one goes. 
But uh, I like the Colts over the Raiders, but it should be a really good game. Red Swarm says, I'd love to uh, pick your brains about what Kirk Cousins would look like running an Atlanta offense or a different kind of offense. And uh, we'll, let's get into that next week. We've got, we've got, that'd be a good Wednesday topic where we go for, you know, hour, hour five. Let's get into that next week for sure. He's going to get paid about two year, 80 million. I think even with the Achilles that much at that age, coming off the injury, he was playing unbelievable football and all it takes is one team. So I think the 40 million is not crazy. I think what is the tag 35? He's playing like a top 10 quarterback. If he passes a physical, I can give you the Vikings approaching with anything less than two year, 80 million. Um, you can even like, you know, make it a hundred percent guaranteed, maybe make it, you know, 38 per year. But I think he is going to get money. Scott teams are wanting quarterbacks and the old guys are playing well. I think he goes back to the Vikings. That's why that CBS mock draft didn't make a lot of sense for the Vikings trading. I I think Kirk cousins is probably the answer there. And then maybe you draft a guy day two somewhere to, to start stacking that one, but they've already got the cap hit from Kirk cousins. They're um, starting you know, Jerron Hall this week, so maybe I've been he... saying twenty-five to thirty just to hedge. Like you know, I... people saying, "Do you want, you know, what about Kirk Cousins?" I'm like you can't afford him. Most most of these teams won't be able to afford Kirk Cousins. He's going to get more than the Daniel Jones contract. He's I think he's going to get probably somewhere thirty-five to forty per year, two three years. Um, we'll find out. But yeah. like, that's one of the reasons we said that him coming back to. Uh, to Minnesota makes the most sense. Uh, still at one o'clock, the Rams are at the Giants. Um, I had the Rams were one of my teams sneaking in, but as I ran through all my predictions for the last couple weeks, they're going to need to beat the 49ers to make the playoffs. On the last week, now the 49ers, they may have things wrapped up. They may not. I had them losing, which puts Seattle in the playoffs in that spot. So it, it, it uh, I think I had the Rams knocked out at uh, at nine and eight, I think, because I had them losing. And I had the, uh, I think it was the Packers and the Seahawks coming in as the, the other two wild cards. They're the sixth seed right now. I don't mm-hmm. know if they have to go two and zero to make the playoffs. If they beat the Giants this week, they sit at 66. And if they win, they're up to 87%. I guess anything could happen. Uh, but I think that, uh, the Vikings losing a couple games that were unexpected kind of changed changed the math there on who, and also the the Packers lost some games they shouldn't have as well. So the Vikings and Packers going down pushed the Rams up. Uh, so right now the Seahawks and the Rams are in the playoffs. Yeah, I uh, somehow I knocked them out based on my predictions. Okay. So okay. I'll, I might run through that again, and we will we'll talk about it again. Uh, or I'll send you on a monologue about something, and I can run through them again because I pretty oh, much no. know who I picked. <laughs> Uh, you know. It was the best of times. It was the worst. No, okay. <laughs> um, but the Rams are definitely in it, and I had them in it for uh, for a while. Cardinals and Eagles. The Eagles have a pretty good chance here to kind of help sew up their seating. Eleven uh, four. That's shouldn't be much of a game. The Eagles should stomp them. Saints at Buccaneers. This one becomes really interesting. The Buccaneers have been playing some good ball. Uh, they've won four in a row. Now some of that is based on schedule, but not all of it. Panthers at Falcons at Packers was a nice win. The Packers were playing some pretty good football when they went up there and won handily by 14. And then they go over and then they, uh, they host the Jacksonville Jaguars and dominated them by three scores. So Jacksonville's lost four in a row. Now they're hosting the saints on new year's Eve with a chance to clinch the South. I think they get it done. Yeah, I think they do too. Uh, I think this is not going to be that crazy of a game uh for them i think the what is the spread right now i mean was it 12 and a half is that right i mean it's i don't think it's going to be much of a game was it that high oh goodness i mean is it really that high it's two and a half dude what game did you say you said commanders right no saints and buccaneers saints and buck okay i, th- I swear i just that's what i hope i said <laughs> okay my my internet kind of jumbled up there for that's a what i commanders. meant Okay. Uh, Saints and Buccaneers. Yeah, it's two yes. and a half. I'm like, 12 and a half? Give me some no. of that. I was like, why are we talking Saints, bu- or uh, not Saints, Bucks, but the Commanders 49ers? Jacoby Brissett, I guess that'll be fun. Um, But uh, the I'll go with the Bucks in this one. They're playing good football right now. I really like the synergy between Baker Mayfield and the offensive coordinator there Um, for the Buccaneers. 
I mean, it might be a year early, Scott, but I mean, he might get some, his name's escaping me right now. He might get some off uh, head coaching interviews because of what he did with the Seahawks uh, last season with Geno Smith. And now what we're seeing with him and Baker Mayfield completely revitalizing spare part quarterbacks uh, might be a year early, but uh, we'll see. Uh, that's that's some good things going out there uh, with that uh, tandem. And Mike Evans is playing some of the best football of his career. So uh, I'll go with the Bucks. They've been playing pretty good football. They, I know a NFC South, blah, da, the pathetic division, blah, blah, blah. But Buccaneers are going to be feisty in that first game. I don't know what's going to happen in there, but I would not go into Tampa thinking that's a easy matchup for whoever goes in there. We don't say blah, blah, blah. Um, you'll get to that one. If you don't know that one already, that's, that's Transylvania hotel, Transylvania. Um, Nick, we'll get caught up. I'll have the recommendations for the, the only things I know, I know cars, uh, I know football, and I know kids' movies. That's that's really about all I know. Dave Canales. Dave Canales, yes, he's been awesome for Tampa. Uh first year offense coordinator, pretty young. He seems to be on Everybody the wants air- next Sean McVay, though. I know. Everybody wants that uh, rocket trajectory um as well. We see Zach Power saying Devin White has had a quiet great year as well. He was just a healthy scratch last week with Tampa Bay. I don't know. Something weird is going on there with uh Devin White, but uh I I don't know, man. The early picks at linebacker are not great pay- payoff unless they are the pass rush oriented type. But uh, that's another conversation. We got Dolphins Ravens at one o'clock on CBS that most of the country will see. That's um, the game of the week. The Ravens are playing pretty. It's another one. I feel like the Dolphins, it's a bad matchup for the Dolphins on the road. They've had a tough schedule and their losses have been like this. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't. It, I, I like the Ravens in this one at home. Uh, I'd probably like them on a neutral field too, but that doesn't necessarily mean I think the Dolphins can't make a run in the playoffs. The Dolphins are good. I just think the Ravens are better right now. Ravens are three and a half point favorites. Uh, Gamecast, ESPN's Gamecast has 56% win for the Ravens. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one just because of the matchup of the Ravens offense versus the Dolphins defense. Uh, The Dolphins defense has been one of the singularly best defenses in football over the last five, six weeks. Uh, Vic Fangio's got them humming, and that's after Jalen Phillips went down. Bradley Chubb is playing like a top 10 edge rusher. Their ability to uh, Andrew Van Ginkle. Scott, I don't know how much that name rings a bell to you, but uh, former Wisconsin Badger, he's been playing unbelievable football out there, kind of as a hybrid uh, edge rusher off ball kind of guy. He's been fun as hell. Uh, and you got Xavier Howard and uh, Jalen Ramsey playing good football as well. So that Dolphins defense has been very fun to watch. However, they like a Vic Fangio defense are one of the lightest box count defenses in football. They will do everything they can. They'll let you run all day long as long as you're not giving up the big plays and they're going to be playing cover six match quarters until the cows come home, which can be vulnerable to your run oriented quarterbacks. So I'm going to expect RPOs, zone reads and Lamar Jackson, just, just a tough matchup uh, for the Dolphins def- Dolphins defense overall. But yeah, they are pretty rough. Yeah. Just talking about uh, box count numbers, Scott, they're like 31st and 30th on uh, all downs, uh, 30th overall in box count percentage uh, overall. So they like to play light boxes. I think it's a bad matchup for them. Oblivion empire. He's here. Good to see you. He says, how's it going, Scott? And Nick, it's going very well. Uh, SW line 16 says, I think the Rams clinch a spot if Seattle loses to Pittsburgh and the Rams beat the giants. Possibly. Yeah, there's the wins in there. The loss, the, the thing is I have, I just went back through it. I told you it wouldn't take me long and I got the same results um, through the playoff machine. Now, if their playoff machine, ESPN's playoff machine is correct with the tiebreakers and whatnot, I've got Seattle winning their next two, which puts Seattle in as the sixth seed at 10 and seven. And then I've got the, the these will be big games. These are certainly no gimmies. I've got week 17, Green Bay winning in Minnesota. And then Green Bay, then where are they? Who do they play the next week? Where'd you go, Packers? Oh, the Packers. Home against the Bears. The Bears, yeah. And that knocks yeah. out the Rams because I have it's them losing to the, to, the they lose to the 49ers. Wild. Okay, well, that would be really unfortunate. Uh, so- two teams, now that the Broncos are out, two teams that I'm like, praying upon praying that they make because they're fun to watch the bills and the Rams. Yeah. So I hope they make somewhere in there. The, uh, the, the, the nine and eight Packers would have the tiebreaker on the nine and eight Rams. I'm not sure if they, they played each other or not early. I don't remember, but that's where the tiebreaker goes in. So Vikings Packers are huge. And the the Vikings aren't out of this thing either. 
The Vikings could absolutely go uh, for sure. So it's going to be, I'm a little bit more interested in the AFC because I think the teams fighting for wildcard spots are better teams, but still it will be fun to watch some of these teams fighting for these final playoff spots because there's five teams that that, at least that can still make this thing, including the Saints. Mm -hmm. You know, the Saints win this thing. All of a sudden the NFC South is wide open again. Um, Or do they, do the Buccaneers, they don't, who do they finish with? See, I just had this in my head. The Buccaneers finish at Panthers. Never mind. All they have to do is win at Panthers. Buccaneers are in good shape. Buccaneers, Buccaneers are in good shape. Yeah, the I would the easy cheat here, Scott, for the last week of the year is it's always going to be a divisional matchup. So you have a pretty good chance uh, who it's going to be. Uh, but yeah, we got a living empire coming in, rocking the Falcons, Georgia uh, tra- uh, tattoo there saying, let's go into the New Year's feeling great. Let's go dirty birds. Good to see a living empire. Thank you so much uh, for the support and also saying hit those likes, guys, show the show support. Uh, these guys are doing great. Uh, Appreciate that, Oblivion. Sometimes we need that pick-me-up. At least you can say it. I can't say show the show somehow. Thank you for showing the show support. And I just trip on that all the time. Speaking of which, this becomes really important. The Steelers are still alive. As soon as I finally come off the Mike Tomlin bandwagon, he shows me why I love Mike Tomlin. Steelers at Seahawks at 4 o'clock is a huge game for both teams. Yeah. I'm going to go Seattle. I think... uh, they got the better quarterback. The fact they're playing at home, you're talking about a cross country trip here as well across all the time zones. I think that's pretty tough. I don't know if uh, Pittsburgh is ready for the darkness. However, talk about a team who's ready for some ugly football and playing in the rain. Uh, that's the Steelers for sure. So I think Geno Smith though, better quarterback. I think it's going to be that simple and playing at home. I'll go with the Seahawks here. I will too. Um, and then, you know, I'm a, I'm a Mike Tomlin stand. They'd be eight and eight going into their final week, and uh, we'll see how that one that one finishes. But the Seahawks, I got the Seahawks winning out ten and seven, sixteen in the playoffs. So um, I think they're playing their their matchups are solid for them uh, to finish here. With the Steelers kind of stumbling down the stretch a little bit, um, they were home last week, if I'm not mistaken, which they got a big boost from. I think they're going to struggle on the road a little bit. Bengals at Chiefs. Arrowhead hasn't been the fortress lately, and the Bengals. They struggled last week. I think that's who they lost. They they got the uh, the Steelers handed it to them, and you know the the blue may have come off a little bit of Jake Browning. Um, how do you feel about this one? Because this is a big game: eight and seven Bengals, nine and six Chiefs. I think Chiefs take care of it. I think that the Browning train has the wheels have come off a bit, and I'm going to trust the Chiefs defense and Steve Spagnola to get it done. I can't imagine Patrick Mahomes following up his one of his worst games of his career with another one of his worst games of his career. Uh, so I'm going to go with the, uh, the chiefs in this one also. Yeah. Good call by Clyde. Kelsey bounces back. The rate uh, the Bengals have been pretty poor over the middle of the field this season on the back end. The defense has fallen off pretty hard. They've been one of the bottom five defenses, top bottom 10 defenses in the NFL. I just I can't imagine the Kansas City losing back to back, especially after getting embarrassed last week. And they won three in a row. And at Jaguars, all of a sudden, isn't the win that it looks like. Colts at home, they dominated the Colts, and then Vikings at home, and then they got their lunch handed to them at Pittsburgh. And now they're at Chiefs. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think it was a a nice story, but I think Cincinnati is probably in trouble in this one too. And then finally. The last game we want to hit on, uh, which is a big one in the in the NFC, the 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 North there is Packers Vikings. They're both sitting at seven eight, but they're both still alive too, Nick. Yeah, uh, I don't have a pulse on this one. I'm going to be completely honest. I I don't know. Do you have any leanings? I do because uh, normally I will go I will go home on this one uh, if if I'm undecided. But I think this one goes back to who's playing, who's got the better quarterback. <laughs> yep. uh, I think Jordan Love is playing at a much higher level. I think the Vikings have played tough. And I think they've done a, I think O'Connell's done a great job with that team considering them losing their quarterback, going, taking all the way back to the beginning of the show of, you know, what happens when Aaron Rodgers goes down. Robert Sala should be fired just for how bad they got without their quarterback. Well, what was this team last year? 14 and three? The Minnesota Vikings in a bunch of one-score games, that's the difference their quarterback could make. 
and it was there. I don't know if they were quite that good. But they were they were really good last year, and you had been calling as a team that would regress anyway because they had they were like eleven and zero in one score games last year. To lose their quarterback, to fight back and hang around five hundred and get a chance to make the playoffs has been a really good job from yeah. O'Connell and the Minnesota Vikings. I just think they're they're out of gas. I, I think that the I, I think Green Bay's playing a little better. I like Jordan Love over. They're playing Mullins out there. No, they benched Mullins. Oh, they went. Did they go back to to, uh, to Jalen? Nope. They're playing uh, the rookie who got hurt against Atlanta. The uh, yeah. So yeah, Jaron. Uh, J- J- okay. Jaren sorry, Hall. I thought you were talking about Josh Jaren Dobbs. Hall. They're back to Jaron Hall, former uh, former BYU Cougar, fourth yeah, quarterback. They're they're bouncing back and forth, and he's okay. Yeah, Jaron. Well, Jaron fifth round pick. Well, who knows what happens with Jaron Hall? I liked him at BYU. I thought he was, especially for a backup. I thought he could be okay. Uh, but yeah, Hawkinson got her. That's a good call. Hawkinson being out. Yeah. Good luck, Hawkinson. Tours yeah, ACL the and MCL. just killed the Vikings this year, and and that they're still in it in week sixteen is a hats off to the Minnesota Vikings. They, they, yeah. They've they've done a really really good job bandaging a team together week in and week out. But man, Scott, I. The Packers defense is absolutely freaking falling apart, and they just suspended their best cornerback, Jared. Did you see the interview with Jair Alexander, the why he mm-hmm. got suspended? It's if you guys haven't checked it out yet, search after this show. Go find out Jair Alexander's interview. He's suspended because he took the field as a captain when he shouldn't have, and it was like bizarre. And he said, like, because he's from Charlotte, and he's like, I wanted to go out there and make the call. The coach didn't know I was from Charlotte, it's whatever. And then they asked him, like, Well, what do you want to do? He said, We want to play defense. He's like, don't you mean defer? Cause if you would go out there and say, we want to play defense and the other team's like, okay, we'll take the ball on both halves, uh, not <laughs> defer where the ball comes. Yeah, when you on. make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's suspended. The defense is absolutely falling apart under Joe Barry there um, for the Packers. I think this is, this is a toss up, man. I, I, I don't know. They're I, I agree by one at home. So that's a pick them. Yeah. I, I, I don't not going to disagree with you that taking the better quarterback here is a safer option. Cause love is playing good ball. But man, the Packers feel like they are ready to bust on defense. Not yeah, a good at way. Giants giving up thirty to the Panthers. Yeah. yeah, I don't feel good about this one. If we 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 force weighted these as like, okay, what are your what are your confidence, confidence picks intervals. on this? Yeah. It would be my it would be my one. Yep, I'm with you on that one. Uh, and that's how I felt last week against the uh, with the the Cowboys and Dolphins. It's like I'll take the Cowboys, but I don't like it. I really don't. And that ended up being a Last second field goal game. I mean, it was yep. it was definitely a pick 'em. Um, on that note, we're getting pretty close to being out of here and calling it a day, calling it a weekend. We've already had some good football last night. The Browns look great. Stefanski, coach of the year, possibly. We've got a tasty Saturday night matchup between the the Lions and Cowboys that will get about forty million viewers. Then we got football all day with just about every game having playoff implications. Next week, twenty twenty four, we'll start getting a little bit more into some mock draft stuff. Because I'll be three weeks out from Senior Bowl, and it'll be some a lot more teams eliminated. We'll start doing a, li- a little bit more of that. Nick, any last words for 2023? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Texas over Washington and Alabama over Michigan with Alabama winning it at all. We'll see what happens, but I've watched college football long enough to know that the teams with far better top 100 recruits and five-star recruits tend to win. In the end, maybe that'll change in the era of the transfer that's portal. That's a southeastern bias. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy when all those guys are are getting all those stars anyway. I mean, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, but then you see those guys end up in the NFL. So there's a, a secondary selection process. I know you're a little tongue-in-cheek there with that, but uh, I'm going to go with uh, Alabama over Texas rematch. I'm pulling for Washington. That could, If I poked my head out my window right here, I'd be able to see the freaking Husky Stadium here. Uh, but uh, I think just too much talent. Um We'll see what happens. And also great quarterbacks all around. Every single one of these guys is going to be an NFL guy. So should be a great playoff. I cannot wait. If I go Texas to North Carolina and and paint that map, 50% of all division one signees come from that area. Like, well, it that's might- where 50% of the population is. No, it's not. Yeah. No, it's not. It was like 35% of the population is there. So half of all college football players come from Texas to North Carolina. They come and now that Texas is the SEC, Big 12, Big 10, whatever. Texas A&M was in there. But basically, deep south in Texas, half of your college football players, half of your draft picks come from the from that area. Might be even more now that California and the uh, desert states have been on the uh, decline in terms of the 
college football players and NFL players. Midwest and the Northeast has been a little bit on the upswing, uh, but the everything west of the Rockies, a little bit concerning. Uh, what helped? What helped California was their junior college system was so good. Yeah. Um. So they that. But now with transfer portal, I don't have to drop down back into the junior colleges and go play for a year and do all those things. We can get into that. We got lots of time for that. I want to say thank you to our uh, super chat and star supporters. Keith Johnson coming in, breaking the ice. Keith Brugman a couple of times. Rattlesnake Master, thank you. Dave, Gary, Oblivion Empire, the OE coming in, original equipment. So uh, thank you so much for all of your support and helping make this show what it has become and hopefully what it can be. I expect this show to keep growing and growing and growing, especially as we get down into Senior Bowl, as we get down into NFL Draft, and as we push forward. And Thank you for people like you. Happy New Year. We have had a hell of a year. Nick and I, we pod every single weekday in the mornings. That's a champ over here getting up at six in the morning to put up with me. So thank you so much, everybody. We hope you have a hell of a, ha- a happy holiday weekend. Please stay safe. And we'll see you on Monday. Peace.